Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast where we hold to Scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here... Logan Batisti. And, sorry for the frog in my throat, I am getting over this gunk that's been going around, and somehow I've managed to catch the trifecta, but Logan over here, he's... I've been pretty good so far. It has not hit me yet in December, like the rest of the church. So Yeah, the plague has passed over Logan's household. I think you've probably just been sacrificing chickens or something. Sacrificing chickens. I don't know. Lambs, maybe. Maybe lambs. Uh, Chickens are probably worth more than lambs right now with the price of eggs. (laughs) Right? But (laughs) lambs and bulls and stuff actually take sins away. Oh, oh. (laughs) What about sickness, though? <laughs> sickness. Sickness. Uh, maybe there's some special kind of rain dance or sickness <laughs> dance for that. Yeah, that's what it is. So you've been you've been healthy. I've been healthy. What's your secret? I don't have a secret. Oh. I need a secret because obviously I slipped and hit the sick tree hard. Yeah. No. I don't think there's any way... I don't know how I've avoided it at our church. I don't know. It it hit our church pretty hard. It really did. Yeah. And Kyra and Scarlett got sick at the beginning of December, I think, but didn't touch me. Yeah, because we were, we were going to do the podcast before I... Was it before I left or after I left? Before you left for Las Vegas, yes, I think. before I left for Las Vegas, and then I, we couldn't because they were sick. Right, and you didn't even take me with you. It, uh, I mean, Las Vegas was fun, but it, it wasn't, it, I, you, it was a work you thing. You didn't take me with I, you. It was, you, 80 bucks, I could have, I could have snuck you on on the carry-on, not a carry-on, on a luggage. Uh-huh. We, we could have worked that out for 80 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> it would have been a cold ride. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas was fun, though. It, uh, went up there for... The irrigation show, that mm. sounds, I'm sure some of you are thinking that's just amazing, <laughs> but it really was. I had a lot of fun. We know all you irrigation techs out there. Yeah. Oh, Fantasize about the, that show. <laughs> the other, the only other irrigation tech that listens to this <laughs> podcast. I wonder who that is. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's not like she works for you or exactly. anything. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, had to take my family with me, so that was that was awesome. Mm. We got to spend some family time. And pay some outrageous money <laughs> for food. <laughs> wow. We were... I've, I know I've told you this story, but I'll tell it to everyone who's listening, listening right now. <laughs> we went to Gordon Ramsay's Fish and Chips, which is not the, the big Gordon Ramsay place, but it's, uh. it's just like a fast food restaurant. Right. But I knew, obviously, we were too broke to eat in the real Gordon Ramsay restaurant. <laughs> so we went to the fish and chips and uh, we went in and it was the most money I have ever spent on fried fish and French fries. <laughs> Not, it wasn't like quite French fries. I mean, they were good French fries, but French fries. Uh-huh. Yeah. How much was it? It was, uh, it was, it was 80 bucks. Yeah, eighty bucks. I was already committed. I mean, we had 
So, okay, let me back up for this. <laughs> let me tell you why I spent 80 bucks at this point. Because we were dead set. We were going to go to the Bellagio and eat at the buffet. Uh-huh. And so we, we had basically walked to the Bellagio. And we get there. And the buffet is closed oh, on no. Thursdays. Oh. But it's open on Fridays. Oh. Which is when we were leaving. Right. So I was like, this sucks. <laughs> so we walked over. We watched the Bellagio, the fountains. And then we're like, okay, we are starving. We've got to get somewhere fast. Yeah. And then Gordon Ramsay seemed like a decent place. Right. And that was really expensive. Mm-hmm. And that was oddly cheap because there was a Popeye's chicken. Right. You told me about that. Yeah. And, it was and, like 30 bucks for something you wanted. It was treasure in Treasure Island. And yeah, we went downstairs because it was like midnight snack. And I was like, ooh, fried chicken. And uh-huh. so I go down there and it was like $32 for an eight-piece chicken. And I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. Going back upstairs where I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to eat applesauce or something, but I ain't eating this. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's crazy amount. Yeah. But a lot of fun. Made good contacts. and uh, But what have you been up to? It's enough about me. Um, I didn't have any fancy trips or as long trips as you. I went and saw family for Christmas, and that was pretty much the only traveling I've done. Got to go up to St. Louis. St. Louis and had, let's see, breakfast. No, I didn't have uh, breakfast, breakfast with my mom's family on Saturday morning and presents with them. And then they came over for dinner on Friday night, too. And exchange some gifts then. And on Saturday evening and afternoon, we played or went to my dad's side. And they have like a minute to win it game session there, like where they have all these cute little holiday games that you get to play. Eat the cinnamon. No. Oh, no. It's more like set up like three cups. Uh huh. And. Fill them with water, and then you have a ping pong ball on top. Okay. And you have to get the ping pong ball to go all the way to the third cup just by blowing on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that, kind of games like that. that. Pass out and then fall down. And... <laughs> no. Oh. There was another one where it's like you have to be the first one to grab a gift box after, like, while playing Simon Says. Oh, and when Simon okay. Says grab the box, that's when you have to grab the box. Oh. And, yeah, so definitely some interesting things to do yeah that's fun oh one that i was pretty good at is you blow a balloon mm-hmm. and you use the balloon to pick up the cups to stack them okay that's, that's so, interesting so you You've... have the deflated balloon and you put it into the cup and blow it up so it'll grab oh, the cup and then you stack okay. the cups with it whoa do you have to keep it like on your mouth or can you just like once you like hold the balloon you can just use your finger oh you have to deflate the balloon to let go of the cup so it'll go into the stack and then reinflate it and keep deflating it. Wow. That's... It's fun. Huh. That's interesting. That would be hard. It's not too bad. That was probably the easier one. Huh. The ping pong one I really stunk at. <laughs> that seems difficult. That seems rather difficult. Yeah. And then there was another one where you had to take a yardstick, balance it on a thing, and you and a partner at the same time stack it up like five cups high, like alternating. So you have it with the bottom and the rim. Uh-huh. And then the next one you put on top of that has to be rim, 
bottom. Oh. Yeah, and make it a field goal. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, definitely some. That's that's some, that's some interesting games. We've never done anything like that. We've only ever done white elephant. You know, pretty traditional games. Yeah, and got to play a round of hearts at the end of it, and then went home and mm-hmm. went to church the next day. Yeah. Christmas service that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I know it's happened before, but this is the first time I can say that since it's been a while since I've seen Kyle preach a fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but no, it was a really it was a good sermon. It was. It's a good sermon. We got to come home, eat a lot of food, ate too much food that weekend, opened a lot of presents. Then, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which here in a couple of weeks we'll be get to use some of mine here. Hopefully that we got. Oh yeah, yep. So we got some new microphones and a new soundboard, and maybe eventually that'll mean we get to have guests on soon because we'll have four microphones to use. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Which by the time we do that, we'll probably have to actually find a new place to host this. You saying it's getting cramped in here? It might depending on how many people we bring. Yeah, it would be very cramped with four people in here. Yeah. So. I've got too much stuff in this room. Yep. <coughs> and depending on what people we bring, it'd be too loud to even try to do a podcast with people out there. This is true. So, but otherwise, so. it's been a while. And if you guys remember, we were doing spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Now, which discipline we're on, I bet you forgot. But if you open up your handy dandy... Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. We are on the chapter of the discipline of evangelism. Don, Don, Don. Actually, this is... That didn't sound so climatic. No, it didn't. This is a, kind of a surprising... Maybe, you know, when you think of disciplines, evangelism uh, doesn't... Really seem like a discipline a lot of times. Right? Or it's the discipline we least want to do. Yeah. And I think he cover, covers that pretty well in his chapter, but yeah, it's the one that I always put on the back burner most of the time, unfortunately. It is uh, definitely, you could say this is the first one that we've, first discipline we've done that doesn't just affect you. This is not just, I mean, it is for your spiritual growth, but right. this is the now extra working, the outer working of your spiritual disciplines. Right. And I mean, even having the chance to explain why you do spiritual disciplines or why you're following the gospel in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is one of the most important tenets of the Christian faith that we kind of glaze over or talk about, but don't really end up following through. Absolutely. It's uh, the, oh, it's odd how much we talk about it and how many conferences we put on, how many books you we read about it, mm-hmm. and yet it, still. It, it's definitely the thing that we come up to and we're like, oh, 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 oh. Ah, dang it. What was I supposed to say again? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's interesting. And 
and a great example of it too is he talks about how there was a guy in his class, I think, that he was trying to model the Christian life for, right? And yeah. his classmate finally asked him the question he's been wanting. Why are you so happy? And it gets to that point and he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like it, that was the moment that you, you had everything to say. Right. And it wasn't there. It kind of makes me think of the Incredibles of when he, Mr. Incredibles coming home and the kids just waiting there on the tricycle again. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, what are you look? What are you, what are you waiting, waiting for? for? He's like, I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. <laughs> He's like, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. We just watched that last week while I was sick. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that one in a hot second. Yeah. Kinda. But that's probably on like the ever list or ever growing list of, oh yeah, that was a great movie when I was a kid. I should add that to something I'll get someday and then realize you don't have it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I like the way he kind of starts here. I think he hits it good when he says evangelism is such a broad subject. I mean, how are we going to, when you talk about evangelism, most people's mind goes to probably open air preaching, street preaching, passing out tracks. Right. I mean, you get the Jeff Durbin kind of idea. Oh, who's the other guy? Ray Comfort? Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, yeah Ray Comfort kind of styles of preaching of when it comes to evangelism or like even door to door. Yeah. You think of someone knocking on your door like the good old Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we picture evangelism as. And I guess sometimes the best way to say this is we make that evangelism. And while that is evangelism, that's not the only evangelism. Right. I mean, evangelism is definitely an outworking of any part of our life. Yeah. I mean, for instance, this show right now is a form of evangelism. Yeah. And I don't know if, maybe it's because I I was talking to you before we started recording about uh, that book, Evangelism Is, by by Dave Early. Mm-hmm. And he talks about evangelism. And when we think of evangelism, we think of someone coming to faith. That's evangelism. Right. That's not just evangelism. That's the beginning of evangelism. But what about the rest of their life? It's the whole discipleship process right. is evangelism. Well, I mean, we get to that too, is like evangelism and discipleship are really closely intertwined. Yeah. I mean... It's, it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. it It's something that's pretty unbreakable between the two. There's a yeah. strong chain that links it, and it yeah. doesn't. You can't have evangelism without discipleship, and discipleship is not evangelism. And, but or You can't have evangelism without discipleship. <laughs> and discipleship, discipleship doesn't happen without evangelism. evangelism. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, <laughs> Those two are you know linked together. They're welded together, and you can't separate the two. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's almost that area of when we think of theology between like uh, sanctification and, and justification that so many people conflate and the, the, the two are so important and they're intertwined, but they yet are distinct. Right. But yet they're really 
almost the same thing, but they're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not the same thing, but, but they're really close. Yeah. And, I mean, we were talking about it earlier, too. Like, evangelism is something that is expected of us Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most common verse that most people point back to is what we Christians call the Great Commission mm-hmm. from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And I'm going to shorten it and just go with verses 19 through 20. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. And that should be, that's, that's our marching order mm-hmm. as the church is to go and make disciples. That is evangelism. Mm-hmm. Evangelism linked to discipleship, making disciples is through evangelism from Spiritual birth to physical death mm-hmm. is a continuation of evangelism. Yeah. And we even miss it in Mark, Luke, and John when they all give versions of the same thing. Yeah. Mark sixteen fifteen, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 46 through 47. That repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. John twenty twenty one, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And Acts 1, 8. You will receive power with the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We are Christ's witnesses. Absolutely. We just did... Uh, um a study, uh, just finished a study, an Advent study in the youth. Well, we just finished it yesterday because we were out of church for a few weeks and I was dead set that we were going to finish this, by golly. So right. we finished it and it we, uh, it ended in John chapter 1. And uh, it gave a, an interesting parallel, not a parallel, an interesting note in John that said it starts off in John about uh, John the Baptist being a witness to Christ. Mm-hmm. And he says that there's seven witnesses in the Gospel of John. Seven witnesses. And you have the Father who witnesses the, of Jesus. You know, he says he who is the Son. Mm-hmm. You have the Spirit. You have uh, the disciples. You have the believers, those around, those called. You have... Uh, I have to look back through my notes again. <laughs> But anyway, I'd have to look back through them. And then uh, that was... the, the most important one was that one, that it was us. It was people. It was individuals. Those mm-hmm. he's called, those he's called out are witnesses for him. That we, we think of how important John the Baptist is in proclaiming in the beginning of the gospel who Jesus is. That is who we are as believers, to the rest of the world. Mm. We are proclaiming, we are witnessing, and we are proclaiming the glory of Christ to the world through our witnessing, our evangelism. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even for instance, like, an excuse that might come up is, hey, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. So does that mean that I don't have to evangelize anymore? I mean, it's not my spiritual gift and evangelists 
are specifically called to do that. So why don't I just let them do it and I get to sit back mm. and do nothing? It's a good thing. Well, Jesus didn't tell just the disciples. He told everyone. Well, I know he didn't just tell the disciples. Yeah. I mean, but what about people nowadays who are gifted to be evangelists? Yeah. Can't they do all, do all the work? And... Well, they can do some of the work, but that doesn't get you out of your own work. Everyone is gifted with certain gifts, but that doesn't mean that we're all not partakers of one gift. Mm. The Spirit bestows upon us all, all believers, a certain gift. And that gift is, I think, regeneration, the heart change. Mm -hmm. And that wonderful gift flows from our heart, flows out of our mouth to glorify God. That glorifying God is bringing people to God. And that, that's not a, you can't just shut that up. I think one of the things that as reading this that kind of stuck out to me is the uh, the parable of the talents. Okay. Is it the talents or the denarii? I think it's the talents. I'm getting them mixed up. It's the one where they bury it. It's the talents, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the talents. Okay. He gives the one many, and he takes it, and he triples it. He makes it numerous. And then he says, you know, you've been faithful of much. Much will be given. And then the other one, he doubles it. And he says, you've been faithful for a little, you know, but you'll be rewarded much. And the other one says, "I, I took what you've given me, and I've buried it. In the ground, because I know you're hard. Yeah, I know you're hard, and you don't, you know, you reap where you don't sow, and so on and so forth, but I've given it back to you. Right. And And he says, you're a despicable servant. Right. You could at least put it in the bank, and it would have collected interest. Now, think about that for a second. What is Jesus talking about? Right. He's talking about this going. He's talking about the spreading. He's talking about, he's not talking about physical money. He's talking about what the the spreading of the gospel, the and, kingdom, and gifts that have been given to you, the that, gifts that you've been for given. you to use. And the thing was, each one was given the same gift. Now, one was given it in much more abundance, right? And he was able to do so much more with it. Mm-hmm. But the one that was given a little bit was still required to do something with it, right? And that's us. Just because someone has been given more of a talent, literal talent, doesn't mean that you given a littler talent, still can't multiply it for the same cause. Absolutely. You yeah. all were given the same the same what is, wait, currency. There you go. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> currency. Yeah. And, I mean, thinking about that evangelism is something that is empowered. I mean, it's yeah. something that is God-driven. I mean, we, you go back to 1 Corinthians and... Mm-hmm really hammered in through there that God is the one who causes the growth from what has been said. It's not based on what Apollos or Paul has done or even anybody else in the other group, but God is the one who causes the growth from what has been spread. You look like you have like a quote you're looking for. There was, and then I lost it. So, Gotcha. But, I mean, it's, Something that we kind of forget that evangelism isn't something that is based on the word. Let me clarify this. Evangelism can be based on the words we say, right? Mm-hmm. But it gets in our head that if we say this the wrong way, that mm-hmm. it's going to mess it up. Or 
that if this person isn't converted right then and there, that it's a failure and we should try not to do it again. I like what Don Whitney says here with his round of questions. His bar- he's got a barrage of questions here that kind of goes along with that. And he says, what is success in evangelism? Is it when the person you witness to comes to Christ? Certainly that's what we want to happen. But if this is success, are are we failures when we share the gospel and people refuse to believe? Was Jesus an evangelistic failure when people like the rich young ruler turned away from him and his message? Obviously not. Then neither are we when we present Christ and his message and they turn away in unbelief. We need to learn that sharing the gospel is successful evangelism. We ought to have an obsession for souls and tearful plead with God to see more people converted, but conversions are fruit that God alone can give. Right? And even reminds us what Paul writes in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I mean, the gospel and evangelism is the way to salvation. That is the way God has decreed it and God has made it. Yeah. And even though we can feel like we're not doing anything, we're throwing pearls before swine type thing, you know, we're just plugging along, insignificant. You don't know, you don't know the impact that sharing the gospel can have. And one important thing to to ask ourselves, and I've had to ask myself quite a few times, is if you're thinking that, do you have pride in your heart? And that's why you're not sharing the gospel. Are you saying that the words that you say have to be so good because you must see fruit in order to bolster your ego and feel good about what you've done? Or... Does it not matter because it goes to the glory of God regardless? Hmm. So often we want to go into evangelism and you want the rush of emotion and you want to feel good. I mean, who wants to work and not know if you completed the task? Right. No, I want to know that I completed the task. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's not our building. Right. It's not our stones. It's not our tools. It really goes back to that question of, like, what does it mean for the task to be completed? Mm -hmm. And changing your viewpoint of what success in that area really means. Yeah. Because if you really think about it, I mean, if success is based off of people, like, coming to Christ or, like, saying yes to belief, Mm -hmm. then even Jesus Christ was a failure. Yeah. And evangelism. Yeah. Think of... Uh, I mean, the one he points to is the rich young ruler. Yeah. Or even Pharisees. Think of uh, one of my favorite passages, and I know it's one of yours, Luke 14. Mm-hmm. When Jesus has a multitude of people finally following him. This is the moment, Jesus. This is it. You have the crowds. You should just... You know, I said, get get the water, let's baptize him. They're here. Yeah, and what does he say? 
if you don't put me first, uh, and if you don't hate your mother, brother, sister, uh, don't come to me. Or even your own life. Or in your life. Uh, actually, don't come to me unless you're willing to die. And then... Give away all your possessions. Give away all your possessions. And at the end of his discourse, who's left? Not very many. There's there's 12 disciples, and one of them's the devil. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Well, it even points out, like, at what point in time do people understand evangelism? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, evangelism isn't going to happen if we don't spread the word. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul r- writes of it himself in Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Yeah. I mean, goes back to what he said in Romans 1. You have to speak it so somebody can hear it mm-hmm. so that the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes can be heard. And to know that, uh, I think Don Whitney gives a, a wonderful example, uh, a story in his book about how he, uh, what was the teacher he went to school with? Or that it was... His professor, what was his name? Uh, it left me. It was a big one. I'm not sure where you're going with this one. Hold on a second. We might have to edit this. Okay. I mean, the one thing while you're looking for your illustration that I like that he illustrates this passage is you kind of need to look at evangelism as if light, you're handing people lightning rods. Mm-hmm. And you're sharing your the gospel, which is a lightning rod to this person. And sometimes lightning's going to strike it. And sometimes it's not. And that's kind of like the understanding we need to go with when we're sharing the gospel with somebody or telling somebody about our beliefs. And this is a really hard chapter because man, I can talk about the gospel behind the sermon. I can talk about, gospel on a podcast like this but when it comes face to face and that interaction right there it's where i definitely struggle the most and it's definitely going to be hard to discipline myself to be better in that area the story i cannot find it for the life of me that i remember him telling telling was of his teacher that he went to go visit and as he went to go visit him he he'd go on these long walks and they were walking through the neighborhood. Uh, he's visiting with his, his teacher. And he came to his neighbor. And his neighbor stopped him and he said, Hey, well, you know, what are you doing today? And, you know, it was normal, friendly conversation. And he said he turned to him, turned to Whitney. And he said, the one thing I know is at least you've heard of Jesus because that's all that man will talk about. And it was like, at that moment, you realize that someone's whole walk with God is not merely the screaming on the street corner, but it's your evangelism is your whole life. It's it's a thread going through. And the fact that this man, which didn't say if he was a believer or an unbeliever, he knew that just by the fact that he was standing within close proximity of his teacher, that he had heard the gospel. Didn't know how long he had been walking with him, but he, he he just knew at that instant that he had he had heard the gospel, mm-hmm. and for me that's a challenge of 
I used to be a lot better at it when I worked on my job position now is I'm very isolated, so I don't get to share the gospel with as many people as I would like to. Right. But when I was working on cruise, it was it was easy. It was very continual. That was my natural flow. Right. But it's easy when you're when you're working with somebody to kind of bring those things up. Yeah, I mean that's how I've got to meet Roman and James at our places yeah. because of conversations that you've had with your fellow coworkers. And so we can we can bring those things up a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is moments throughout our life, when, I mean, coming all the way through from our work to how we conduct ourselves uh, in the grocery stores. All these things play a part in evangelism, uh, waiting for those moments. I mean, your whole life in is evangelistic aspect and outreach. Right. And Donald Whitney kind of illustrates that by talking about one of his favorite barbecue restaurants in yeah. Kansas City. Uh, yes. Which, for a favorite restaurant, I don't know why you wouldn't name it in your book, right? Well, maybe because it's besides the point and trying not to take away from the book. Was it in Kansas City? Is that where yeah, it was? He says, that's oh. what he says. If it was in Kansas City, it's probably because he doesn't want to start a war. Oh, <laughs> at least I'm pretty sure. I, I might have assumed it was. It's it's like gold up there. You mentioned your favorite barbecue restaurant. People are tearing you down because they've got five others that are better. Right. Which, okay. anyone that's listening, Kansas City Barbecue is the best barbecue. Uh, I'm not going to get in this argument. It's, I like all kinds of barbecue. Well, Texas okay. has got some good style. Memphis has got some goods. St. Louis got its mm. own barbecue sauce that's pretty decent. Kansas mm. City is pretty good, too. Well, Kansas City is the king. but the way that he says is that it's best advertising isn't the typical media variety aimed at the eye or ear it's best advertising is directed to the nose they barbecue the seasoned beef and pork where it's tangy smoke can waft across the four-lane highway everyday people driving by become interested in the message of the restaurant simply because of its fragrant aroma And I mean, even Paul talks about something similar. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And really, that's such a wonderful... Sometimes we think of, I guess, the giant billboards. Right. You know, we think of the open-air preachers, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's a fine form of evangelism. But uh, I'll use our area, our location, for instance. We're very rural. Um, open air preaching is just, it's not really, uh, you're not going to really have any luck. Well, I mean, let's put it in this perspective too. What happens? Okay. You get a big time evangelist to come to an area for one to three days, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And say you have somebody come to Christ through that. Correct. What happens after those three days? Mm Mm-hmm. 
that evangelist isn't going to be there anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely takes more than just an evangelist to come into a town for a few days and to spark a revival. Yeah. It's not something that fuels the revival Mm -hmm. and holds it in there. It's definitely something that requires a whole community Mm-hmm. To be the aroma of Christ to continue it on. Yeah. That's, I remember hearing uh, about what they called the aftermath or the fallout, which was what happened after a Billy Graham crusade, where Billy Graham would come into a town and you would hear all these people, you know, give their life to Christ. And then they would talk about the the churches in the local area would be just, just flooded with these people. And that's a good thing. But at the same time, it was so many people, there was no one to help these pastors, these these people. They were overwhelmed with the amount of people to try to help. They couldn't actually spend time with them. They couldn't actually properly mm-hmm. evangelize them. Yeah. Because evangelism is the whole process. Right. And part of that Great Commission is to teach them all that I've commanded you. That's one of the things fantastic book it really is evangelism is by dave early and he talks about how most of the time when we do evangelism we always have this concept of we sit down and we just share the gospel and that's it we've done it and we might even grasp that there's something that comes after called discipleship and that we should you know the the cart and the horse and we should those two should go together but you realize that no one in the Bible let, let's let's use let's use Paul for an example. When Paul came into a town, did he simply say something new every time? No, it was almost mm-hmm. always the same message. Paul had a routine. He had a, you could say, evangelism plan that he would go through, and everyone does. And so it helps that if you don't ever plan for something, you'll never do something. Mm-hmm. If you never buy camping stuff, you're never really going to go camping. You can talk about it all day, but you never will. Right. And well, once you buy the camping stuff, you actually have to make plans to do you stuff have to with do it. it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, you buy it's the hunting continuous stuff. plan. Yeah. yeah, you buy the hunting stuff. You're gonna go hunting. Why? Because you invested money into it. Well, if you're gonna invest, like, because there's definitely plenty of people who buy things and then don't do anything. They with don't. It. <laughs> it goes both ways, but yeah. no one. It hardly ever goes the other way. And so, and who would dare go hunting? without a gun or anything and just walk out in the field and say, I'm going to pick up my gun on my way. You're not going to do that unless you're really awesome and you can whittle a stick and stab a deer with it. You know, I'm sure there's a guy out there that can do it, but it's not me. I'm, I'm sure it's not you either. No, it's not. <laughs> so we're not we going to do it. that a bucket list. <laughs> yeah. There is one guy in Missouri that kills a deer every year with an atlatl, and that is cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Every year, I have to remember. I have to remember what that is. But I an atlatl, it's like a giant sp- spear, uh-huh. and you you like you oh. put your wrist back at yeah. a weird angle, 
and it's got a little like throwing pad. Yeah, I remember. I yeah, I think I remember that now. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how you could ever hit anything with it because that's like lawn darts. Right. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, when you you make a plan, and so he says in the book, before you ever evangelize, how are you going to do it? Right. Well, I'm just going to do it. Well, that's not always a good thing. I mean, if you have a plan made out, what's the verse you're going to take them to? What are you going to say to them? And so there's all these prepackaged plans, not plans, mm. but but we, we, we know the Roman road, right? It's the easy one, uh, you know, Romans chapter uh, three, you know, there's no good, no, not, or there's no one good, no, not one, all have sinned, so on and so forth, you know, and you walk them through. Mm-hmm. There's the Hebrews road. I think there's even a Corinthians road. There's, oh, there is. I, I'd have to look in the book again. But I know there's at least a Hebrews in that. There's several of these these roads that you can mm-hmm. take people to. And all you got to do is remember those verses. Because when you're in those moments in evangelizing, you're not going to have time to go, hold on a minute, let me pull up my Bible and talk to you. Right. And so for for me, we had to put together this evangelism plan. For me, it was, obviously, I just went to the Romans road, because it's easy. I memorized some of the Hebrews, Hebrew road, too. Because it's quick and easy. And I can go chronologically through it, and it's it's very easy. You know, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. And you can share the gospel that way. You have a roadmap mm-hmm. that you can walk someone through. And then one of the most critical points that he pointed out in the book was after you've walked them the roadmap, where's the destination end? Yeah. Where are you going to take them to? Is it going to, you're going to take them to the middle of a cornfield and drop them off? Or are you going to take them to your church. Where, where are you going to point them to? Where do they go? Where do they live? Right. Are they local? How close are they to your church? What other churches do you know in your area that you could send them to? You don't want to simply just have someone come to faith. And then you leave them stranded. And then leave them stranded. Help them. Bring them with you. Bring them to your church. If you don't, for some reason, if you don't feel good with your church... Bring them to another healthy church. Right. Let them get plugged in. Let the other believers fellowship around them. Build an, an end road for them. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a pretty good illustration. I haven't really ever thought about that before. But we get that idea in mind, right? Of Yeah, evangelism is these quick moment things where you see a random stranger and you have to explain the gospel to them. Cold, yeah. cold call, essentially. Yeah. When in reality, there's more chances than that. I mean, it's your neighbor living across the street. It's your coworker mm-hmm. who you talk to every day. And yeah. it's trying to find times in those situations of, yes, there is some cold calling yeah, that God calls us to, but there are definitely times where it's somebody who we've known for years mm-hmm. and God's finally saying, Hey, you know that person? I need you to go talk to him right now. Mm-hmm. Or, and Whitney even talks about disciplining yourselves to mm-hmm. do that. Because in order for that to happen, I mean, he talks about how he and his wife would discipline themselves to go meet with somebody in the neighborhood and invite them over for dinner mm-hmm. if they weren't a Christian. Or at Christian events, try to make sure that he talked to people who he knew weren't Christians rather than just those that were at his church. And that's, I mean, that's a hard thing because 
you know, that's almost a subconscious thing that we don't realize we do a lot of times. When I read that, I was like, oh, I'm probably guilty of that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I know I am. Uh, I don't think about it, but you really are. Your church, I mean, you just love your people, but you don't realize that, yeah, while you're loving your people, there's other people that you that you could be sharing the gospel with, that you could be opening your life up to. Right. Yeah, I think that was that was a that was a kind of a punch in the face for me because I was like, oh, I I don't discipline I don't, myself to get out of my yeah. click very often. I sometimes. tend to stay in my bubble. Bubble is uh, the best way to yeah. put it. Especially, I stay in my bubble at church. You know, I, I'm I'm like talk to a lot of people, but you always have your 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 people, and then you don't realize, you know, I'm not really investing a lot of time in these other people that, you know, I really should be. Right, and it kind of thinking of that brings up the illustration of where Whitney talks about the story of a man who became a Christian during an evangelistic emphasis in a city in the Pacific Northwest. When he told his boss about it, his employer responded, "That's great! I'm a Christian. And I've been praying for you for years now." <laughs> yeah, and the new believer is crestfallen about that. Yeah, she's like. Why didn't you ever tell me you were a Christian? You were the very reason I have not been interested in the gospel all these years. <laughs> yeah. How could that be, the boss wondered. I've done my very best to live the Christian life around you. And that's the point, the person says, employee. You lived such a model life without telling me that it was Christ who made the difference. I convinced myself that if you could live such a good life and happy life without Christ, then Sorry. I could too. Mm. That is, it's 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 so true. You know, it makes me want to vomit when I hear, you know, oh, it makes me so angry. I, I'm with Jeff Durbin. I have to work on my sanctification every time I see the bumper sticker when it says, you know, proclaim the gospel and if necessary, use words. And I'm like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. God help you. Because, yes, there is a way in which you can show the gospel through your love and actions. But your actions have to meet your mouth. Right. At some point. You can't disconnect the two. No, because your mouth clearly explains what's going on in your life. Yeah. And your mouth might be better at lying than what your body is sometimes and the way your life acts, but it'll come out of your mouth at some point in time. Yeah. It would, I mean, the one thing I've discovered about when I personally share the gospel or, 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 or try to evangelize, it's, it's for me, I'm a very, uh, I'm not a very, outspoken when it comes to talking to somebody about Christ in the sense that I like to work next to somebody and know that I'm going to see them tomorrow. Right. You know, and that's shame on me. I should do it anyway. I like to build a relationship with the person and then share the gospel. And because I like to, I like to develop these very long conversations about the gospel where I can pry into their life and, and talk to them about it. And so, uh, I'm not good at the the five minute gospel presentation. You give me about 
three hours with somebody. <laughs> That's a really long time, I know. But I will share the gospel with them for three hours. It's the five-minute gospel I'm not good at. <laughs> yeah. And But sometimes five-minute gospel doesn't give you that in mark that you really need. And I think that's my big problem is I sometimes I think too heavily on the the planting mm-hmm. and then really trying to cultivate that I fall in the trench that uh, I have to be careful and watch my own heart where sometimes I can fall into the prideful trench. How we're talking about you want to see the fruit. Mm-hmm. I have to continually check myself because I want to see the fruit of that after, after you've spent three hours with somebody Part of the gospel, you want to see some type of result. And so if you don't see that result, you know, you get upset. Yeah. Absolutely. There's one more avenue of evangelism that I'm going to catch you off guard with. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. UFC fight night? (laughs) No, that's in Las Vegas where you didn't take me. They didn't have any UFC fight nights. It was on <laughs> Friday, and I missed it <laughs> by a day. <laughs> wow, the day mark was really huge for you on that day, wasn't it? Was it was really big. I walked through one of the casinos, and they were advertising it, and I was like, gosh, dang it. I missed the fight night. Everything fun in Vegas happens on a Friday. <laughs> oh, but no, there's... There's one thing in evangelism that I didn't really see Whitney covered, and maybe that's because it, but it's something that you like to cover a lot, actually. Oh. Yeah. Now I'm worried. No. I mean, we talk about evangelism and sharing with other people, but what about evangelism through apologetics? Oh. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) That's right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. So. Apologetics, AKA evangelism. Right. The two are absolutely one. Oh, yeah. And that's what I want to get the point across is that we talk about apologetics and think of it as its own category as scholarly men going over irrelevant arguments. Yeah. I will say everyone has their different bent on how you evangelize. And I'm not saying... I, I. I'm just, I say what I do that, that I like. And it, it's basically my whole evangelistic aspect revolves around apologetics. I find apologetics for even unbelievers to be an absolutely wonderful conversation starter. I don't know how many conversation starters I've had talking about Darwinian evolution. Mm. Just being like, did you know that uh, they, oh, what, what did I say to one guy one time? Did you know that carbon dating really isn't that accurate? Really? I was like, yeah, let me tell you about it. That was definitely your son. That was my son. (laughs) Or I recently just had a conversation a few months ago. That's not that recent. But a few months ago, I had a conversation with a guy who was an Mm -hmm. ex-Mormon. I was bent away from the faith. And a great way to to start that conversation was, I heard you were an ex-Mormon. Yeah. What did you know about Mormonism? Well, this is what I didn't know. Well, let me tell you about Mormonism because I know this and this and this, and this is what Mormonism teaches, but this is the true gospel. And you can move. It's so easy to move from one to the other when you're talking 
through apologetics. And I've had more apologetic, uh, I would say 90% of the time, I have I have used apologetics in an evangelistic encounter. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of makes me wish I'd study up more, but got a lot to go through. One of my favorite ones is just to bring up something very off the wall from Ken Ham. That's a wonderful source. Uh-huh. You just bring up something off the wall like, uh, oh, I don't know. And I'm on the spot. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you, know. you think of one of the most off wall of the things that I know about Ken Ham is that when they talk about dragons in medieval times, oh, yeah. to think that could actually have been dinosaurs that they were talking about instead. Yeah. That's a good one. Or I'll, I'll say something like, do you know what I just don't understand about what always just cracks me about evolution is when you truly think about it, it really can't make it out of the pond. And they go, what What do you mean by that? Well, if natural selection's right and only the fittest survive, then wouldn't the fittest in the pond eat all the other ones and therefore only one? And then usually that'll start a good conversation. You can kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way. Do you know what, you know, for me, creation, you start talking about creation and stuff like that. Oh, it's a great way to share the gospel. Well, the Bible says that God created the earth in, in seven days. So, you know, and you can bring that in. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe that God created the earth? No, I don't believe in that. Oh. So, how do you think that we got here? Well, I think, you know, you can hear some pretty radical stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we came through, you know, some sort of evangel- your evolutionary process. Oh, do you believe that we have, that there's such thing as absolute right and wrong? And then as soon as you start that conversation, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing at the end of it. You can normally get somebody to look back and go, huh, I even have the most committed people, just rabid people sit there and say, no, I absolutely don't believe in any absolute right and wrong. All right. All right. Do you realize what you just said? And then get kind of quiet and be like, huh. and look away and it's like, well, the reason that you're contradicting yourself is because God created you and you can just, boom, share the gospel. And then they're usually upset because you've shared the gospel. They have no comment back. So apologetics is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you don't need to know that much, really. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, Apologetics is like seems to be essentially like you're taking the time to understand what another person views and kind of allowing yourself to see things through their eyes and measuring up to what the true gospel is and seeing like, oh, hey, uh, this is why this is counterfeit and not the real gospel because it doesn't fit into this area. Absolutely. That's where Dr. Walter Martin gives his famous example in the beginning of the kingdom of the Colts mm-hmm. of the, the bankers, the national. Bank. Oh, you're talking about the people who work for the federal reserve. Yeah. Federal reserve. I was trying to think of the, I was going to say IRS, but they just take our money. They don't <laughs> count it. The federal reserve, federal reserve. That's what it is. Gosh, dang. 
they they put on this this big thing and they have all these people come up there uh all these bank tellers and and so on and so forth go up there a year and they teach them about currency and the whole week they're there they never see a counterfeit bill because the point is you can always create a counterfeit bill in a million different ways but you can't fake somebody out if they know the true authentic bill mm-hmm. if you study something that's fake they can just create another fake thing. But if you know what the real one looks like, you can spot a fake instantly. And so what do you need to know? You don't need to know that much about mm-hmm. a million different cults and a million different scientific things. You just need to know what you believe and know it good. Mm-hmm. Know it in and out. And it would be amazing with that coupled with a tiny bit of whatever else. Right. And you're done. Just logic. Mm-hmm. Really logic. I, I, logic is a something that is absolutely lost today. Yeah, and it really shows the importance of when you're going to evan- evangelism, how important those other disciplines we've talked about are mm-hmm. and how much they fuel this burden of evangelism. Yep. The times that I have opened my mouth to speak the gospel and not had my feet in the word have been some of the most fruitless times um, I've ever seen. When I'm not praying, when I'm not in the Word, but when I have been in the Word, I have literally seen some of the most, I mean, you know of it, some of the most amazing transformations right. could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And I know that it wasn't me, but it was just simply God allowing me to be a cog in that wheel. Cool. And uh, our personal disciplines can be... A, they all compound on top of one another. Yeah. They're not, it's not a wall running, you know, uh, horizontal, horizontal. They're, they're built upon one another mm-hmm. to an end result. Yeah. You take one of them out and it, it, it quits being the pyramid. Yep. It, and it's not like Jenga to where no. it'll stand for a hot minute. Exactly. Either. No. And so, unless you have children, unless you have children. Yeah evangelism is only done if you're going through the other disciplines, if you're in the word, if you're praying, if you have the correct worship, your might the right the correct mindset and focus on God. That I mean that is a big one. Mm-hmm. I mean if you are not if you're evangelizing to put another notch in your belt, go home. Yeah. You're not you're not evangelizing for your for God's glory, you're evangelizing for your trophy, mm-hmm. you know, your head hunting, and that's not God honoring. Absolutely. Yeah, so, that's and it's easy to get caught up in that notch hunting idea, when, yeah. especially when you're trying to get other people saved. It is. You try to to build it up, but you don't know. You know, that's where you just trust, as we talked before, and the sovereignty of God and right, hoping that you, that God uses you to be a tool and the cultivation of someone else's salvation. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that means you're the rake, mm-hmm. not the raker. Right. <laughs> the difference is you get pounded into the dirt. You, you don't... You don't get to do anything else. You just get to get hit in the dirt a lot. Huh. 
I don't like to be hit in the <laughs> dirt a lot. <laughs> Sometimes but, it's rough. Yeah. But evangelism is, I think if the biggest things to take away from Don Whitney said in other books I've have read is every day you should really have a goal in mind to share the gospel. And if you share the gospel, how are you going to share the gospel? Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to be verbally? If it is going to be verbally outspoken, what words are you going to say? Where are you going to take them? Right. Have a roadmap built. Um, have your exit strategy. You almost have a pre-recorded conversation mm-hmm. that you can do that because if you don't you'll never actually have the conversation and you'll talk about football yeah or you talk about anything else but moving it towards the gospel yeah and even like it's not because like you the conversation stays there but because you you let it stay there because that's where you're comfortable exactly and sometimes we gotta learn how to push ourselves Exactly. Into the uncomfortable. Stretching those muscles. Right. And I mean, getting to the point of where kind of where you're comfortable with failing. Yeah. Because Donald Whitney points it out, we're not a people who like to fail. And there are definitely people who can't stand it. No. But it's something that in order to get better at something, you have to fail a few times before. You get to that point. We tend to avoid things that we fail. I think that's what he mentions in the book. We tend to avoid those things and think that we're not good at them and move on. But in reality, for one, I mean, for in reality, God doesn't give us the luxury of moving on because he commanded us to do it. Right. So by us not doing it, we're actually not listening. Yeah. I mean, I hope listening throughout this episode, like kind of really understand the grasp of why evangelism is so important. I hope it convicts you. The conversation convicts you like it's convicted me. Um, and me. To definitely work on being better evangelist besides just putting it to the wayside, letting it, somebody else do it. Because it's not something that just your pastors, just your deacons or Sunday school teachers can do. I mean, if you call yourself a Christian, it's something you need to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the story of the blind man who Jesus mm-hmm. had given a miracle. Yeah. Uh, it took him one day. He's like, um, I don't know about who this man is or where he's come from, but I know that I was blind, and now I see. Yeah. And so you don't need to have this massive, deep theology. Or this, like, oh my goodness, I was doing so much wrong beforehand. Like, this yeah. is how God has cleaned up my life and have to have the most powerful testimony in the world. Yeah. Sometimes simple things will do. Absolutely. God tends to use the simple things a lot more than he uses the extravagant that yep 
I didn't come to faith by some extravagant argument. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you came to faith, but was it by an extravagant argument? It's a lot of overtime. Yeah. I was just a quick kick in the pants, and that was it. Yeah. So you don't need deep theology. You just need to go. Yep. Well, guys, thanks for listening to Anchor by Faith. You can find us on most major podcasting sites or find us at anchorfaith.podbean.com. Feel free to be on the lookout for new podcasts in this series of spiritual disciplines. And remember the idea is to help both you all and us to continue on the path of being conformed to the image of God. And if you want to as well, you can find us on Twitter at ROM829, capital A-B-F. Have a great night, guys, and God bless.